This is a CBC Podcast. Hey, I'm Claire Bonnyman. And I'm Mindari Wall. And welcome to The Loop. We're heading into the season of giving, and there are a lot of ways to do that this time of year. Giving time, of course, giving back, giving gifts, uh, you know, because yeah. the season for shopping. Um, Min, could you just give me maybe some cold hard cash? Sure, like toonies and stuff like that. I mean, I was thinking that. like a 50, yeah, but... <laughs> 50, yeah, get in line behind the teenagers. But really, I mean, like, what is on your list? What are you thinking about giving this time of year? Well, I certainly, I, I know that I have time to give so yeah. I will be giving a lot of that and helping some people out who have um, gathered uh, you know food and clothing and and are doing drives and things like that so I, I thought this year you know maybe on the weekends uh, when I'm not running between soccer practices I can help with that nice. so yeah it'll be good I, I think I'm helping out with some postal workers I, I agreed to just show up somewhere <laughs> I think uh, 10 days before Christmas where they're they're handing out uh, you know, pre-made meals and things like that at a location. So it'll it'll be fun, and um, so it's basically um, you know he his name's Sharma, and so he just started it with some of his colleagues, and and it kind of grew and grew and grew, and it's been going on every weekend throughout the year. Wow! Like they do this every weekend, and it's amazing. It's it's that season of generosity. Tis yeah. the season for agreeing to randomly go out with a bunch of postal workers and hand out food. <laughs> Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I've considered myself so lucky to have been able to work over the last two years. Yeah. So I look at uh, some of the stories from people and hear about some of the struggles, and and you just have to give back because you never know when you're going to be on the other side of that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, especially this time of year, um, it makes sense. We're going to be talking about giving, especially online and the different ways that people are doing right. it. This episode because things like social media have changed a lot of how we're connecting with people to give and share or hearing stories about giving yeah. and giving back. So later on in the show, we're going to take a, a look at what social media has actually done to this season of charity and mm-hmm. talk about the ways that you can actually join us in giving back this season. Maybe right. if you don't have random postal workers that you're going to go out with. Yeah. Um, but first, we're going to talk about a neighborhood in the city that has a pretty clear holiday wish list. All the Alberta Avenue community wants for Christmas is a little love from their city. Because in the last decade, Edmonton has invested a lot in certain neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. Just next to us here at CBC, there's the Ice District, of course. Blatchford, too, just north. But that's leaving Alberta Avenue kind of stranded. A far cry from their days in the spotlight with Northlands and Rexall Place. And of course, there's the Coliseum, which is still far from being demolished or repurposed. But some in the area have hope that the new city council will spread some love to the neighborhood. CBC's Natasha Reeb joins us on The Loop. Hey, Natasha. Hey, Claire. Okay, so really, I mean, it's been four years of like very empty Coliseum. Uh, What did you hear from the businesses and the folks who live along 118th? What do they want to see with this? Well, people have had lots of ideas on what the Coliseum could be turned into. In the past few years, groups have pitched everything from using it as an amateur sports venue. One example was for amateur basketball and volleyball to even a movie studio. A movie studio wanted to use it. Also, there's another group that actually wants to turn it into a seniors complex and make it part of the, yeah, part of like, so the Coliseum building itself would be uh, designated for seniors and that would be part of the future development. There's So there's so many ideas. Yeah. Um, And I spoke with... A local resident, Martin Bundred, 
He was also the past president of the Parkdale Cromdale Community League, so he has lots of ideas for the building. <laughs> and you'll notice he sounds pretty optimistic about this at first. I'm really big on repurposing the Coliseum. We, we hear about this big deal that was penned with uh, Calgary and Amazon. Why can't they be happening in Edmonton? Uh, you hear the video uh, game development people talking about it, getting some incentives to allow them to prosper in Edmonton. That could be the building that that could happen. In. It could be a multi-purpose office slash residential, uh, everything that it, it, it can't be because of the caveat put on with the uh, with the caveat. Group. So some more cool ideas there, really, for yeah. sure. But at the end there, you'll notice that he mentioned the deal between the city and Edmonton Oilers owner, the Cates Group, which is actually the Oilers Entertainment Group. Right. So the city signed a deal in 2018 that prevents them from using the Coliseum as a sports or entertainment venue. So that's a big issue right now and a point of frustration with many, including Tony Katarina, who was the city councillor for the area for 14 years. So I caught up with him and he told me a bit about uh, what the feeling has been around that deal. I think many, many people would love to have it repurposed. And, and I said, there's been some great ideas uh, on it. You know, there's an opportunity there uh, if we are allowed that chance to actually explore some of these opportunities. Uh, the proposals that came forward, none of them were explored because of that clause, that there's no repurposing whatsoever. Period. I mean, it feels pretty definitive when he says period. Is there actually a chance that the Coliseum could be repurposed at all? Yeah. Well, Katarina um, can be a bit dramatic sometimes, but that <laughs> is that is the case under this deal. And over and over, pitches came up and they were shut down. So the wording of this deal is such that that is the case. But it could change. Legally, the Oilers Entertainment Group, um, they, he, they sent me a sta statement saying there's only room for one major arena in Edmonton. Right. That's why they insisted at Coliseum not be used for sports or concerts. They just don't want another venue competing with Rogers plays. Um, but they also said, and quote, if the city wishes to repurpose the Coliseum structure for non-competitive uses, we are prepared to discuss that with the city. So... You know, there's hope for that venue if people want to keep it. <laughs> so basically, I mean, I'm a little confused. It does seem confusing. I can't imagine what that would be if not something for sports or concerts. You know, like that's a venue, right? Yeah, but again, like there were so many pitches and some people even suggested a farmer's market, which Ooh. isn't sports or entertainment or a farm fair or something like that. That's true. You I wouldn't know. be mad yeah. about a farmer's market, actually. <laughs> right? Because and, a nice big inside building... Yeah. Um, so it was a venue, but it doesn't have to stay that way. Yeah. I mean, either mm -hmm. way, regardless of, of, of all the ideas, as it stands right now, what's the actual plan for the arena? Well, the city does plan to demolish the building. Okay. So they insist it's too expensive to repurpose, even though some of those, those pitches were from private companies and private interests. But they want to redevelop the exhibition lands in total, and that's like 200 acres or so. Um, they want to build a brand new neighborhood with residences and businesses uh, all built around the LRT. The previous council approved that strategy this past May, um, and they say it's expected to take up to three decades to build out. I mean, 30 years, that's a long time. Uh, but we do have new city councillors as of October. So what do they have to say about all this in the area? 
Well, Ashley Salvador is the new counselor in Ward Métis, as it's called now. And when I spoke to her, she was also convinced the Coliseum should come down. Salvador has a background in urban planning. She's been very vocal about the city's urban spaces and developing these new neighborhoods. She says, though, one of her main priorities is to get moving quickly on this so the building doesn't just sit there vacant and derelict. Right. Uh, but she also says it's not going to happen overnight. City building takes time, and um, <clears throat> we can definitely try to accelerate things, absolutely. We, we want to be able to get it right at the outset so that it really benefits the entire community and the entire city. Um, so yes, we will be pushing, um, that's what I intend to do, uh, but at the same time getting it right so that um, everyone's able to benefit. So in summation, no one can promise any action anytime soon. I mean, everyone's just kind of stuck. (laughs) I mean, what do residents think of all of this, right? Like they're just watching and waiting. They are. And that's one of the big issues. You know, I talked with uh, the family that runs the Coliseum Steak and Pizza Restaurant just down the road from Rexel Place. They're an institution. They've been there 40 years. They have a really committed clientele. Uh, you know, uh, it says steak and pizza, but there's a lot of it's People know it as comfort food. Yeah. Uh, comfort food that's, you know, reasonably priced. So, you know, your, your baked lasagna <laughs> with, you, you know, your bar- side of barbecue ribs, that kind of thing. I've heard um, tell of a solid steak for sure. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the whole family works there. So it really is a family-run restaurant. Uh, Diana Varvis is one of them. She says, with no events happening in the area, um, she's worried about the future for her neighbors as well as themselves. And a lot of these businesses, they don't have 25 to 30 years to wait for something to happen to this area. Like, we need something, the city to do something now. If the idea is to redevelop that land, like, let's get it done. Let's not wait 20 to 30 years and have it sit there and just decay, basically. And so if demolition does go through, the city expects that will take three to five years to do and estimated to cost $25 million. Um, Yeah, this new council will have to approve that money to tear it down. And that would include hiring a contractor, stuff like that. So that's likely to come up at the next capital budget session early next year. Right. Okay. Well, here's my pitch. I have an idea. Um, what if they could just let it decay and then it basically becomes like a permanent apocalyptic movie set, right? Like The Last of Us 2 can come back to town, do some filming, maybe? <laughs> that, well, that sounds like a great idea. I think that's perfect. As long as as long as you let it decay, because as it stands, there's no entertainment in it. But perfect. Perfect idea, Claire. Thank you, Natasha. Thanks a lot, Claire. Hey, Min. Yes. What does this sound make you think of? Credit card debt. Valid. Yeah. (laughs) So this episode is coming out on Black Friday. Oh, no. Um, It's shopping time. Uh, Are you taking part in this year at all? Do you ever do Black Friday stuff? I don't really because everybody else in my house probably does. (laughs) That's fair. I I don't buy stuff anymore, Claire. There's nothing (laughs) bought for me. I don't buy stuff for myself. Yeah. I'm, I'm lying. I bought some runners like a month ago. But oh, anyway. Jeez. Okay, fine. Yeah. Okay, so we know about Black Friday. That's established. Of have course. you heard about Giving Tuesday? I have not heard about Giving Tuesday. No? 
I don't think I have. Okay, so it was started about like a decade or so ago. Okay. Um, and the idea is that it's that first Tuesday after Black Friday. Right. Um, people donate to charities. And a lot of charities will run campaigns, not-for-profits. will do digital stuff to, um, you know, kind of combat some of the consumerism and, sure. and all that kind of crazy so hubbub that comes yeah. with Black Friday. Yeah. And, and really give an opportunity for giving back. So it's all part of this season, right, of giving as more and more organizations, including us here at CBC Edmonton, mm-hmm. are looking to raise money for local organizations. Right. But giving looks really different. Pandemic aside, um, social media is everything to everyone nowadays. And it's been growing in use over the last few years by charities and not-for-profits or um, even just for people organizing and coming together. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I wanted to know, is this the future? Is it actually working? So to talk about social media and how it's changing the game for giving back, Brittany LeBlanc is joining us on the show today. Hello, Brittany. Hi, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. How do you feel about this kind of giving time of year? I mean, warm, fuzzy, like (laughs) (laughs) uh, enjoyable. I think it's great that people are giving back. Mm -hmm. I wish more people gave back throughout the year. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think it's I think it's great. I think it's Giving Tuesday is very interesting because it obviously ties into the purchasing of excess. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I know it's definitely a big day for a lot of charities and nonprofits. It's really interesting, too, to see how we've kind of created, because truthfully, the only time I see anyone talk about Giving Tuesday is online, right? So what do you think social media and those kind of profiles have done to people's practices of charitable giving? Do you think it's made a difference? I think that it definitely has. I think it's a very tough time of year for a lot of people, a lot of charities, a lot of groups. Mm -hmm. I think um, a lot of people who want to give back and that have been shown to give back are usually people who have less overall because they kind of know the the feeling of it. So they want to give back. And so in tougher times, like these tough economic times, it's a struggle. So I think it's important to give. And I think it's good for charities and nonprofits to get the word out there to hopefully um, showcase new areas to give and new areas and opportunities to donate your time to talk about to share etc yeah so i mean looking at some examples i I want hot takes what campaigns or strategies work well what ways that we're using social media to give back what do you think from your perspective well i think that social media has long been helping with awareness and also uh, funding and support for nonprofits and uh, charities. I know that looking at just specifically Twitter in the city, because mm. our city loves Twitter, I mean, we've seen capital city cleanup groups started via the online community. I ran a Santa's Anonymous tweet up where people got together and wrapped toys and sorted toys for Santa's Anonymous for 10 years in a row, where mm. it was just Um, a new group of people every year helping out. And then those people would go on to help Santa's Anonymous in many other ways throughout the season. So it's wonderful. I mean, we look at something like Bundle Up Edmonton, which started on social media, Bundle Up Yag, to um, gather warm winter clothing for the cities unhoused. So there's been a long history of people supporting charities on social media. I love it because it really does feel like Maybe for the first time in a while, people are are finding this community and this collection online and and coming together as people, um, even just in small or even bigger ways to help address some of these issues, right? Like, it's actually working. Absolutely. And I feel like in these days where we kind of are in that time has no meaning spot of our lives, (laughs) uh, everything (laughs) feels fairly bleak 
like a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. And so people are trying to find ways to make themselves feel better. And so maybe that looks like um, donating to conservation groups to help combat climate change and save wildlife. Or maybe it looks uh, like going and helping with charities and doing deliveries this year in your neighborhood and in your community. There are many ways to give that don't necessarily just have to be monetarily focused. Sometimes it's uh, signing petitions and joining campaigns run by the charities themselves, not change.org. I'm sorry, change.org <laughs> doesn't do anything for me or anybody really. Uh, but go to and write messages to your MLAs, your MPs and help that mission move forward. So there's a lot of ways to have that momentum and get some positivity in your life and feel like you're doing something constructive and better, which is something we all need. I think it's interesting, too, because when we move into these kind of bigger charities or bigger things, especially on social media, you know, it's kind of a swing and a miss sometimes. Um, It was just a couple of weeks ago on Instagram. It was kind of taken over by the whole plant a tree initiative. There's been so many things happening since. But um, I mean, can you basically explain what happened there? Because it was wild. (laughs) I was so frustrated (laughs) with so many people share because. That kind of speaks to the whole slacktivism side of things. So I I will unpack all of this. So basically, if you did not see this flooding your Instagram, it was Instagram stories. And Instagram has a new feature now where you can share something along with a whole bunch of other people and be connected with all those people who shared it. And so there was a thing that went out that says, for every animal photo, we'll plant a tree. Yeah. And so people think, oh, that's great. Somebody's going to plant a tree somewhere in the world. The world needs more trees, which Mm -hmm. is true. And yes, please plant some trees. But they didn't think like, who is this? Who's behind it? And so behind it was actually a person who kind of runs a bunch of different scam campaigns like this uh, in a weird attempt to sell really cheap bracelets that they buy off like a a weird third party site. It's It's not great. And so this person's been doing it for a really long time. And to the knowledge of everyone who's looked into this, this person possibly has never planted a single tree in their entire life. (laughs) So you have this Instagram campaign that jumped off because people were like, oh, we're going to plant trees. We're going to save the world just by sharing a photo of my cat or my gecko or my whatever. Right. But that's unfortunately not how it works. And so it's, it's very much like I compare it to the plastic straw issue, Mm, which is everyone wanted to cut plastic straws so we could save you know, the turtles, the like turtle somewhere. Because there was that one Uh, viral video of the turtle with one up his nose that everyone saw. Everyone saw it. And so, you know, hey, if we don't have plastic straws, turtles are saved. And it's not that simple. And also there's a lot of other ramifications of like people who rely on plastic straws and you're still using plastic products in so many other ways in your life. We've got microplastics that are getting into our water systems. And so there's bigger, bigger issues here but people see a small win and Mm. sometimes without looking at the larger picture they go oh okay that's a thing I can do which is great and we want people to pull on small levers like having sustainable fashion purchasing sustainable fashion that's going to last you for a long time or wearing your clothes over and over and over until they like can't be worn anymore or donating them or Mm -hmm. things like that reusing them in some way so there's a lot of ways for people to be a part of like an activism community without necessarily just taking the easy lever. Yeah. And it's interesting, too, because I think there's like, you're even prompted now on Facebook on your birthday to raise funds for a charity, which, I mean, it's definitely not the worst thing to be reminded of like, hey, maybe this is a great time to give back and maybe your friends want to donate. I mean, do you think those reminders are, are actually making a difference? Or do you think that's just another thing for people to be like, hey, like, I'm woke? I don't, I never want to be like, 
attacking the hey i'm woke situation mm-hmm. i definitely think that there's a lot of pressure i mean i just had my birthday um a few weeks ago and when i had my birthday i was like oh should i be spreading the news about a charity should i be trying to raise money during a charity because if i'm not doing that am i a bad person hmm. But I took a step back and I was like, I talk about charities and I talk about um, nonprofits and I talk about things throughout the year and I support them in my own way throughout the year, whether it's money or time or energy or whatever it is. So I am okay with that. And I also am a person who likes to vet the charities that I Mm. give money and time to. And so I would rather not just get onto Facebook to do this thing and not really put any thought around it just to look like I'm a better person. So I think that there's some of that societal pressure, once again, that we kind of have to sit with and be okay with not giving into that pressure and maybe doing it in a different way or a more productive way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're in this time of year where everyone's talking about giving and there's so many ways. How do we avoid getting caught up and wrapped up and maybe being pulled into some more like slacktivism kind of moments? How do we avoid that and actually make sure that our dollar or our time is going where it needs to go this time of year? What would you recommend as someone who clearly puts a lot of thought into how you give back? I think that it's okay to have a healthy skepticism around uh, charities or nonprofits you haven't heard of or you don't really know too much about. Um, We know that some are treating the symptom of issues. And some are trying to treat the problem. And if charities are trying to treat the problem and they've been around for a hundred some years, we should look at, well, what is not working? Is it the charity organization itself? Is it society? What is it? Because it's most likely very complicated. Also, the most important thing is look at how much money is actually supporting Hmm. the mission that you are trying to support. So if I look at something like the Nature Conservancy, it protects and conserves water across the globe and 71.2% of their income goes to charity. Right. Which is great Um, because let's face it, Nonprofits and charities need to support themselves through admin costs and advertising and fundraising costs. So it's expected that some of that money that you're giving is going to be going to cover those things as well because they need staff and they need to be able to pay them to do the job. But you look at other charities like sports charities, perhaps of the NHL related type, um, and their overhead spending is huge. So if I look at a certain Oilers Foundation, according to Charity Intelligence Canada, 57% of their overhead goes to, or like of the money that they raise goes to overhead costs. Mm -hmm. So that means that only 43% of the donations are actually going to charitable initiatives. Right. So in that case, maybe you want to just give to the charities they're supporting instead of the foundation. Right. Um, and I know that's going to make me very unpopular. Well, I'm sorry, hockey fans. But it raises a very important, valid question to ask where your dollars are going, right? Absolutely. And I look locally, um, the Youth Emergency Shelter Society, for example, 70% of their donations go back to programs. Mm-hmm. So that's something that um, I know that they're constantly struggling, but they are they have a very, very good ratio when it comes to what their percentages are. And so these are all numbers I got from Charity Intelligence Canada. But like you said, you can go to their website. There's usually yearly reviews on there. You can contact the charity themselves. And it's important to just look into this and know who you're giving stuff to. And if, if you're not sure, I mean, if you can donate time, donate time. At this time of year, Santa's Anonymous and the Christmas Bureau are constantly looking for um, people to come in and help with, for Santa's to sort and pack toys, but also for both of them for delivery days. Because, you know, the delivery weekend, it's close to the holiday and 
they need people to help and bring that to the people. So there's ways to donate even if you don't have money, but you do have, in this case, it would be access to a car. There's other ways that you can donate to people. So I think it's important to look at that and look at who you're giving to, what's happening in the background. And if you do feel societal pressure, just picture me uh, <laughs> as a... A wonderful version of myself. Um, and just picture me being like, it's okay to be a little bit healthily skeptical mm-hmm. and to take a step back before you get sucked into it. Yeah. Um, it's okay to say no if you don't feel comfortable. And as an act of charity for you, Brittany, I will, I don't have a pet, um, but I will, I'll post a picture of Min on Instagram. How does that sound? That sounds wonderful. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> You're welcome. I'll even see if I can get him wearing a Santa hat or something in the spirit of the season. Spirit of the season, you have to. <laughs> Um, I will not plant a tree for that photo. <laughs> As Brittany mentioned, there is a little group looking to make the season kind. Um, that happens to be us. <laughs> this year, CBC Edmonton is back. We're raising funds for the food bank and sharing stories of volunteers and doogers across the city, basically trying to make y'all feel warm and fuzzy. Uh, Min, do you feel warm and fuzzy yet? It's it's starting to happen. Yeah, uh-huh. I'm seeing you're people, defrosting. Yeah, I'm defrosting and getting. Uh, someone mentioned you to, you know a couple of days ago. We're a month away from Christmas Eve, so a little bit of panic set in. But but yeah no I'm I'm looking forward to it <laughs> you know you see people posting stuff about all the stuff they're doing so yeah you got to get into it and to talk more about some of the things that we're going to be doing uh, to make the season kind we've got Christina Silva joining us on the podcast today hello Christina hello you are one of the people um, working to make this year so dang kind you're senior comms you're also of course part of the loop team and normally this time of year you'd be planning out like where to send Min to a coffee shop to eat a baked <laughs> good, um, which he does not get to do this year. So what should people be looking out for if they want to get involved and help us raise some money this year? It's funny that you bring up years past because we normally start planning this project like in July. Oh, yeah. For those of us on the team. <laughs> so we're like thinking about sending Min out to a coffee shop when it's like plus 30 outside. Um <laughs> But, you know, it's another pandemic year and things are opening up a bit more Mm -hmm. in the province. And it's really so it's so great that folks are vaccinated. But on the CBC side of things, we still need to make sure that our team is safe. Right. Like my colleagues, you and men are people who literally deliver the news to Edmontonians every day. And it's really important that we make sure everyone is healthy. So while we can't go back to 20 events in eight days like we did in 2019. That sounds like so much. I'm having flashbacks here, actually. Like I forgot about a lot of those different places that we went to. I know. I don't even know how we did it. Like They're all coming back. Yeah. Previous projects really are a blur, like a really fun blur of being out in the community and connecting with people and just celebrating the holidays in advance. And um, we're not going to be able to do that this year, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. but we are able to host one in-person event for Make the Season Kind this year. It's going to be a drive-through event at Edmonton's Food Bank. Nice. And uh, it's taking place on Wednesday, December 15th. I should also mention, if you haven't, we haven't already, the dates for Make the Season Kind this year are December 9th to 16th. So it's coming up quick. Yeah, it is. It always comes up quick. <laughs> it is coming up quick. <laughs> this um, in-person event your one chance this year to stop by and make your donation in person to Edmonton's Food Bank right. and see your favorite CBC hosts and journalists in person. Mm-hmm. And I'm really hoping, like, you know, we have such an opportunity year-round 
to, to see and connect with Edmontonians. It's something that we haven't been able to do since before March of 2020. Yeah. And I think it's going to be such a fun time to sort of have a one, you know, one big event in honor of the campaign. And I'm, I just, I'm really looking forward to the energy and to seeing everyone in real life again, honestly. So, so Christina, I mean, yeah, there is just that one event in like previous years, but is there, is there, you know, are you looking forward to like anything in particular about this campaign? Honestly, since we pivoted last year to focus on stories of community kindness, in addition to raising money for the food bank, right. I really look forward to reading and hearing all of the story submissions that come through our kindness contest. Mm. And yeah. it's a really overwhelming but like wonderful experience when people submit their stories of kindness, of That's how cool. they're helping folks in their community. And we're doing the contest again this year. And so I'm really pumped about, you know, reading those stories, hearing them on the radio and seeing them on our website. Yeah, it's a fun way to celebrate a lot of the stuff that's happening around the city. But of course, a big part of this is raising money to support the food bank. So remind me again, how much did we actually raise last year? So our goal every year is $500,000. And um, last year, the city completely blew us away. We had no idea what to expect. It was such an unprecedented year. And we raised more than $1.1 million for the food bank. I remember when we broke a million and I was like, that blew my mind. That's the first time we broke the thermometer. We did. We broke the thermometer. thermometer It blew it right out the top. (laughs) Christina, like that's the first time over a million, isn't it? Yeah. I didn't think we'd hit 1.1. That's nuts. I think, I just think a lot of people were, you know, obviously uh, felt that they were able to give and wanted to give because of the situation, right? Mm-hmm. So um, that was great to see. So, I mean, where, where can people go find out about all the good stuff? Um, so the website, I will I will give you the website right now. It's cbc.ca slash bekindyeg. That's easy. Bekindyeg. And that's your one-stop shop for all things Make the Season Kind this year. Mm. Um, we're chatting on Thursday, and I actually launched the website this morning. Woo-hoo! So it's up right now. and People can check it out. They can check out the prizes that they can win. Got a girl. And um, the other events that are taking place across, the, across that week. Yeah. I, I want to ask, too, because, I mean, it's our second pandemic Christmas. Um, you know, last year was really hard uh, for a lot of people. The last two years have been really hard. I mean, does this season, as we're approaching it, does it feel different to you this year, Christina? That's a really good question. I think that this year feels a bit more hopeful, but I also say that with caution, knowing that people have been through so much since March of 2020, right? Like the pandemic is still happening. And, um, but you know, at the same time, it looks like even if the guidelines stay the same as they are right now, folks will be able to gather Mm. with friends and a family in a modified way. And whereas like last year, we really had to keep to ourselves and we were, you know, we really had to modify what we did and sort of stay home and stay safe. And so in that regard, I think there's a bit more levity in the air. Yeah. And I'm also just like hoping that people continue to come through and tell us the good stuff happening in their communities and in their lives. You know, the city we all know is so generous and never ceases to amaze me and how they come through in times of need. And so like after five years on this project, I feel like I can always say that like, you know, Edmonton just won't let us down. The Loop is a weekly podcast from CBC Edmonton. And our team is Min Darwal, Leslie Goldstone, <laughs> Corey Haverstock, Christina Silva, and James Evans. Our theme music is Change Your Mind by Edmonton musician John Common. And I'm Claire Bonnyman. Thank you so much for listening. Absolutely. And uh, I, I second that. Thank you for listening because we appreciate <laughs> you guys tuning in every week. And uh, you know what? There's so much more out there to know and uh, stuff that we want to know from you. So get into the loop with us every Friday, especially Black Friday. 
Happy, yeah. happy Black Friday. It doesn't happen often, <laughs> once a year. Yeah, absolutely. Leave us a rating or a review wherever you download the show. Or if you want to get in touch with us, we have an email, theloop at cbc.ca. Social media is a thing. We're all over it. Claire and I are on it. Yeah. She's at Nami Knob. Heck yeah. You're I'm at, at Min Dariwal. Boring, I know, but that's who I am. <laughs> that's my name. I'm not boring. But uh, yeah, of course, also remember to follow the show uh, wherever you download your podcasts. Hey, man. Cheese. Cheese. There you go. Um, I will not plant a tree. <laughs> For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.